and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teachers Life podcast, the podcast for teachers and parents who are helping young readers and writers thrive. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus. This is episode 15, which is airing at the beginning of May, just as the school year is beginning to come to an end. So my students and my own kids have about another month and a half of the school year, and it is flying by. So we are getting ready for the end of the school year over here. I think it's just about 30 more days left. But today, I have a special guest with me to talk about time management and strategies for using your time well, both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Time management is hard. Well, it's hard for me, at least. There are so many things that are grabbing for my attention on any given day. Some of the things that pull my attention are planning for my classes, grading my students' work, reading the latest research that is coming out, and then there's my life outside of work, my kids and their activities, the things that I enjoy doing, such as exercising and reading, books and articles that I'm interested in. So there's a lot, which is great because it means that I have so many wonderful things going on in my life, but it can also be challenging to manage. So to help with that, today I'm speaking with Laura Vanderkam, who is the author of several time management and productivity books. Her most recent book, Tranquility by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and Make Time for What Matters, shares strategies that have been proven to help busy people feel like life is more sustainable and joyful on any normal day. Personally, I loved this book. I found all of the different strategies very helpful and useful to implement. So Laura has a very practical approach to time. She doesn't expect you to uproot your entire life, but she does help you think about ways to do the things that matter to you, both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. So on that note, I'm going to get right to the interview. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your books on time management and productivity? Yeah. So I'm Laura. I write books on time management and productivity. Um, There's been several over the years. My first was called 168 Hours, which is the number of hours in a week. Um, So that's about how we can sort of think of our time holistically and, and plan our lives in terms of weeks and put the important stuff in first. I've written a few others, one called What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, which is on morning routines. And I had one come out recently called Tranquility by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and Make Time for What Matters. And that's about nine of my favorite time management rules that I think are broadly applicable and that anyone who tries them will probably see a boost in their happiness about how they spend their time. Because that's really always what I'm going for, right? I want people to spend more time on what matters and less time on what doesn't. 
And and with that, I mean, there's no point just cramming more stuff in our life just to do so. I want people to feel good about how they spend their time. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And I think your last book did such a nice job with that. Just little things you can do. Exactly. Well, thank you for being part of that last book. So if anyone wants to pick it up, you can read a story of a certain Elizabeth Morphus who, uh, you know, learned a few things about how she manages her time and does so very wisely. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. And had publications come out of that, which is... Also good. Always good as a a professor. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So many of the listeners are teachers in the earlier phase of their careers. Some are student teaching and they're finishing up their undergraduate degrees. Others are teaching and attending graduate school. And then there are some who are just in the early phase of teaching. So they're beginning their teaching careers and they're balancing lots of different demands, maybe for the first time. And there are lots of changes happening right now in schools. And to just give an example, right now, literacy instruction is really shifting. And teachers may need to teach one program program for phonological awareness, then another for phonics. And then they have general reading lessons and other small group instruction just for reading. And this is before we get to the other subject areas. And then they also may have socio-emotional learning as well. So there there are lots of different things happening just in the classroom. So do you have some strategies or ideas for how to manage all of the curricular demands that are placed on teachers, particularly newer teachers? Yeah. Well, I mean, things can be overwhelming when it feels like there is a lot coming at you. But, you know, this is life. Like we're in life, we're going to have a lot of stuff (laughs) coming at us people in all sorts of different professions do, or, you know, when you're managing household of lots of people or lots of volunteers somewhere, there's just always a lot of inputs. So we can't hope for some future when life is going to calm down. It's like, okay, you know, in two years, everyone will have that literacy thing figured out and we'll know exactly what to teach and it'll be perfect. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fabulous? fabulous. I would be so happy. (laughs) So you shouldn't count on that. Um, In the meantime, we, we always have to figure out, well, how am I going to spend my time in order to meet the various goals that I have? Um, And these can be the sort of external goals, what I'm expected to cover with my students this week, and also then what I personally would like to do. So managing all of this, one of the best things you can do is to plan. And I know teachers have (laughs) their planning periods, but even to thinking about this a little bit more holistically, I like to set aside some chunk of time for weekly planning. So aside from whatever planning you do on a daily basis, you know, what you what you do in your, your planning period, if you have one, carve out some chunk of time to look at the entire upcoming week. Hopefully you know what your curricular goals are for the upcoming week, like what the students are going to need to cover. Hopefully that doesn't take every single second of the school day because something always right. comes wrong. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a manageable exactly. amount that you intend to cover mm-hmm. in the upcoming week how you intend to get to those things. You know, what curriculum packages are you using for each of these? But make sure you have it mapped out. If you encounter some obstacle with it, like, oh, I'm not sure if, what am I supposed to be teaching to get at that? Well, then you have time to look at it and make a decision or if you need to consult somebody else to do that. But that sort of weekly planning process is helpful for anything, for managing different types of curriculum, how we teach them, or how to manage, you know, if you are leading some giant project, you know, overhauling your school's entire curriculum, if you are 
organizing something with your teacher association, if you are trying to get all your kids signed up for summer camp. I mean, anything <laughs> you might be trying to do is is like this, to, to think about what you need to do in the upcoming week to achieve your goals, how you do that, iron out any problems. That sounds good. I agree. The weekly planning is unbelievably important for keeping organized and keeping things moving. So, and then we'll just add in the other parts of the job. So grading papers and lesson planning and speaking to parents, what suggestions might you have for managing these other parts of the job? Well, one is to know, obviously, that they are parts of the job. And this is not a surprise. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, yes, you assign a something, you're going to have to deal with it once it comes back to yeah. you. That there are parents and other stakeholders involved in education, and that should be expected, that you will will need to deal with that. And you don't necessarily know exactly when it's going to happen, right? but it probably will. And so when things are known, but you don't know the exact details of it, what you always need to do is just to build in some time to accommodate that. And you say, well, I can't, you know, just say, okay, well, 10 o'clock on Tuesday is when I deal with all parent calls. Like, right, if that was only, (laughs) if that were possible. But if there is a a chunk of time, you know, when they email you, you like, okay, well, I I spend some chunk of time on parent emails each morning or at the end of the day. Those are the times I check them. And if at all possible, I ask them to call me at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. Right. (laughs) If it can't happen, then here is the other time that I have available for that. But leaving some chunk of time for that. And then that kind of lessens the spur of the moment stuff, which, you know, can happen too. But if you have some open space in your schedule, then whatever you are going to do at that time where something comes up, you can put that. And because you have a backup slot for it. So, yeah, you know, just you figure out all the things that are going on in your life or that could happen or with a reasonable degree of probability, sort of what's in the 95th percent confidence level of, you know, what's going to happen in any given week and then account for it. And if you don't know exactly, then leave an hour or two open for anything. And then when stuff comes up, you've got a place to put it or a place to put the stuff that is displaced by things that come up when you can't predict them. Now, that's a great strategy. And I think, again, making sure people know, yeah, this is part of the job. You have to leave time for it. So teacher burnout is high right now, and there are teachers leaving because all of these different initiatives are coming down and the workload is high. What strategies do you have to help teachers, particularly new teachers, make work and life more manageable? Yeah, so I think one thing that people don't necessarily intuitively think of, but it's very important, is the reason that work often feels like it is taking all of our time is because it's noticeable. Like you have (laughs) goals for work and you work to achieve them. Like you have intentions for that time. It tends to be planned out pretty precisely. You know, this is when we cover this, you know, objective. And this is when we cover this. And, you know, the school day is is pretty set as those things go. Mm -hmm. Whereas our time outside of work doesn't necessarily feel like that. Many of us don't have intentions for our time outside of work. We may assume that we have no time outside of work, but that's probably not, (laughs) Absolutely true. Like we probably have some amount of time, not as much as we want, of course, but we have some amount of time. And so in order to make that time that is outside of work feel more robust and more like it can balance our time at work, we need to have some of that same mindset for those hours. We need to have intentions for those hours 
things we would like to do, goals we are aiming for, and then the Mm -hmm. time will feel more robust. So one of the things I'm always suggesting people do is take one night for you. So one night or, you know, the equivalent number of hours, let's say three hours a week, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be a Tuesday night, but Saturday morning, whatever you want to do. And commit to something that is not work and is not caring for family members. It is something that you are doing because you enjoy it. So I sing in a choir. I love doing this. I go to Thursday night rehearsals every week. You know, I'll bend my entire schedule to make sure I'm there on Thursday night. (laughs) But, you know, maybe for you, it's like playing in a softball league. Maybe it is, you know, taking a jazzercise class with friends. Maybe it's a group bike ride you do every Saturday morning. Maybe it's volunteering at a soup kitchen. I don't know what it Mm -hmm. is, but it's something that you love to do. And you set aside some time to do it every single week. And when you commit Mm -hmm. to that and make that happen, like your time outside work feels like it happened, right? Like, right, you, right. You, you know, if you're just sitting around at the house and you're like, oh, I've got papers to grade, but I'm not really doing it. No, it's, it's like the time isn't even there. Whereas right. if you are out, you know, in your bowling competition, like, you know, that <laughs> happened. There's no, right. no denying that that was there. And so the time feels more, you know, just oh, that it exists. And, and I think that right. can help us feel like we're not only doing work. Right. And as you said, it can be anything. And I like the idea of if it can't be an evening, it can be on a Saturday. Having something to look forward to. Exactly. Great. So, and just to keep on with this life outside of the classroom, what are some of some ideas you suggest for making the most of time outside of teaching? Well, first to, you know, be sort of aware of what hours are available. I think we need to have intentions for our hours. And again, grading papers takes time. I, you know, there's, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure nobody yeah. listening to this is like, yeah, you know, I can leave the school at four and right. I'm good. I never have to think about it again <laughs> until I'm back the next exactly. morning. Right. So we wish. We wish. Yeah. But <laughs> there's time involved in it. But yes. maybe you can set a time for it, right? Not let it have it be all your time. Mm-hmm. Say, this is the window. So I am going to go home. I'm going to take an hour to interact with family or go for a bike ride or do something. And then I'm going to sit down and do, I don't know, 90 minutes of grading. And then I'm going to be done for a while. And, you know, if I have 30 more minutes, maybe I'll do that later. But I'm telling myself what time I'm devoting to it and let it, other than not letting it be an option all the time. Because I think where people feel sort of most burnt out and most, you know, unhappy about things is when something you need to do is always an option. Yeah. And even if it technically is always an option, you don't have to accept that. Like you can set the boundaries for it and say, well, Mm -hmm. if I'm estimating that I need five hours over the next three days to do this grading, what hours am I going to put into that? And then at other points, if you find yourself thinking, oh, wait, you know, I've still got 50 more papers to grade, be like, no, 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 there is a time for yeah. that. Now is not that time. And then you can right. feel a little bit less guilt about that. Yeah, that's a great point. Just making sure to set the time aside to do that, but then don't have it take up all the time. So I know you read a lot for pleasure, and this happens to be a very common interview question in teacher interviews. What have you read recently? Or, you know, what are you reading? And I hear all the time that there isn't a lot of time for reading outside of school because they are using books, they're reading children's books to plan instruction. And this is 
something that I hear often that teachers will say that they don't have time to read. What are you have a yearly reading project, which is very impressive. What tips do you have for reading more outside of the classroom? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when people say that they don't have time to read, like, okay, we have time to shower usually. <laughs> right. Like, we have time to walk our dogs if we have to, you know, you brush your teeth most days, probably. I mean, it's not that there's zero time. It's probably that you don't have the mental energy to devote to right. reading after you, which, which is a different matter, right? And so right. I think first, I know some of your listeners are still in school, but if you are not yeah. still in school, you don't have to read stuff that right. you don't want to read, right? Like, so right. if there's some genre of literature that you are more into, say you're really into, you know, short science fiction stories, like, great, go read that. Right? or yeah. <laughs> humor books or whatever. Read yeah. those sorts of things. And then I think you'll find it a little bit more compelling to do with your, your leisure time as opposed to reading things that, you know, you're supposed to read, but don't right. necessarily want to. I think another thing is to make it very easy to read. I vastly prefer paper books that I yeah. can hold in my hand, but it doesn't matter because I don't right. have those with me all the time. So I've made my peace with reading on my phone. <laughs> I, I have the Kindle app. <laughs> I get books from the library and put it on there. I buy books from Amazon and put it on the Kindle app. It's okay. It's not the perfect reading experience, but it is better to read than not read. <laughs> and so right. if I'm holding out for the perfect reading, I won't read. And, and so then it, right. by definition, was not the perfect reading experience because it didn't happen. So, you know, that's... I would also suggest being okay with short bits of time of reading. Mm -hmm. And even just as a mindset of like, Okay, even if I am trying to get through something big, right. something a little bit more dense, I don't have to do this for hours. Like, what if you challenge yeah. yourself to just read for five to 10 minutes and then that's right. it? Like, after five to 10 minutes, you go do whatever you want. Like, you know, watch Netflix all night or, you know, <laughs> read more papers, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> so, you know, it just five to 10 minutes. Because again, 10 minutes a day spread out over the whole week, you know, that's 70 minutes. You actually will make progress in right. things. And I can see this because I've done a couple of, of long-term reading projects right. that, you know, there's so many great books and I, I read many of them in college, but I didn't read all of them, but there, <laughs> there's many I'd like to do more of. So I have done these year-long reading projects for the past few years where I take some something big and read just a little bit every day. So in 2021, I read War and Peace at a rate of one chapter a day. Um, we have any Tolstoy fans listening. There are 361 <laughs> chapters in War and Peace, and they are all very short. So this is incredibly doable. Like you're reading four pages a day and it would take me 10 minutes and then, you know, move on with my life. Right. But at, on December 27th, I had in fact read the 361st <laughs> chapter. So it was all, all good. And then in 2022, I read all the works of Shakespeare, which again, it sounds mm -hmm. like a lot, but that wound up working out to three pages a day. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, again, three pages, it's dense stuff, right. but it's not endless. So it was probably about 15 minutes a day for that. And 15 minutes a day, you read through everything. I mean, literally right. everything, like the good oh stuff. And, you know, then the stuff that people are like, maybe Shakespeare didn't write that. He <laughs> kind of, had an off day. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, just if, if there is something big you want to read, see if you can break it down into smaller steps that, that don't mm -hmm. inspire quite so much resistance. Right. And just treat it as something like, you know, brushing your teeth. We don't feel bad about brushing your teeth or like resent that we have to brush your teeth because right. it's just a few minutes. Like, you know, it's not yeah. that big a deal. Yeah. No, that's a great suggestion. Thank you. 
And then in general, do you have any suggestions for people who are new to the workforce about managing their time? Well, one of the best things anyone can do, and I know you've been doing this with with some of the teachers you've been working with and some of your students, is to have people track their time. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend doing this whenever you have some sort of life change. So if you've just started new classes, so it's a new semester, Mm -hmm. if you've started a new job, or maybe you've switched to a different school or a different program, so things have changed, you've moved, whatever. If, If your daily routines have changed significantly, You want to make Mm -hmm. sure that you know what's going on. Like, what do the contours of your life look like? And so I suggest people try tracking their time for a week. I promise it's not that hard. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) It's not not that hard. (laughs) I use spreadsheets for this, Mm -hmm. which is one way. You can use many commercial time tracking apps that are on the market. You can just write down how you're spending your time in a notebook, like if that's what you want to do. On my spreadsheets, I have the days of the week across the top, Monday through Sunday. Half hour blocks down the left-hand side, I go 5 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. because that more corresponds with what I think of as a day versus like midnight to midnight where it'd be like broken up or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So 5 a.m. to 5, you know, and then I fill in what I've done. And I check in about three times a day. And each time it takes about a minute. So we're talking three minutes a day. Again, it's like brushing your teeth, more or less. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be perfect. So. If you're trying to do this, maybe set three alarms a day, like one mid-morning, one sort of mid to late afternoon, one before you go to bed, write down as much as you can remember of that time since your last alarm. If you can't remember, it's okay, but just (laughs) fill in what you can and keep doing this for a week. And people who do this in general find it enlightening. And Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying like, oh, you know, you're going to find out how much time you're wasting. Everybody wastes time. Okay. <laughs> I waste time. Elizabeth probably doesn't waste time, yes. but the, the rest no, of I us do. waste time. Okay. <laughs> and so we can see that, but that's okay. Cause we're also going to see other things like, oh, here's time I'm devoting to X and I would like to spend less time on X. Let me brainstorm ways to do that. Or I would really like to spend more time on Y. And oh, it looks like I've got some time here that might be available. Maybe I could switch what I'm doing. Or there's whole periods of time I can't account for. Why is that? Well, maybe it's because I'm not doing anything that I particularly care about. So maybe I should set some more intentions for that time. So I am aware of where the time is going. And sometimes people find cool things. I mean, I think, you know, especially if you, we all have stories we tell ourselves. I mean, sometimes people say, well, you know, because I'm working full time, I never see my family or you know, I have no time for friends or I have no free time whatsoever or, you know, whatever other dimensions we're failing at constantly. (laughs) And when you record your time, you often see that that's not the case. You may be spending not as much time as you want on a particular category, but it's, it's seldom never for things that you are thinking of because, because that's, you know, you wouldn't be thinking of it. It was totally not part of your life. And so that can be helpful. Like often, we track our time and, and, and feel good about ourselves. And it's like, okay, well, a lot of stuff's really awesome. And here are right. some small things I can change to make life even better. So yeah. if you are experiencing some new routines, new work, new classes, whatever it is, track your time for a week, see yeah. what it looks like, see what changes you would like to make, see what you want to celebrate. And I think that's a good first step. I think that's great. And I think now, you know, we're heading toward the end of the school year. It might be nice to track your time at the end of the school year. And then again, over the summer and then towards the beginning of the school year, just to see. 
which would be a nice, nice way to nice way to look at everything. Oh, well, Laura, thank you so much. This was so great to speak with you and get your advice on spending how you how to spend time to make life happier. Before we end, we like to end on a positive note. So is there anything in your reading or writing life that is going well that you can share? Yeah, well, I mentioned my year-long projects yeah. and I've this year, 2023, I'm reading through all the works of Jane Austen. Oh so gosh. that's been fun. I'm actually reading Mansfield Park right now, which is not one that many oh, people wow. have read of hers. No. <laughs> so they're like, wait, is that Pride and Prejudice? No, it's a different one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, reading through 400 pages of that, but 10 pages a day. And so I'll get through it in yes. 40 days or so. And, you know, eventually those 40 days yeah. will be over and I will have read it. But I'm also doing a little writing experiment where I write two lines in a sonnet every day. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, for anyone who's teaching these, the the particular version I'm doing is the 14-line iambic pentameter version. Oh, my gosh. So so 10 syllables, rhyming couplet, A, B, A, B, then C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, it's been really interesting because two lines a day is not much. Right. And so I'm only writing you know, 20 syllables a day. Mm-hmm. And then in a week, I have a sonnet. That's amazing. And I've been doing this since the start of the year. So I've got, what, 14, 15 now that we're oh you know, interviewing. Yeah, yeah, so, right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have 52 by the end of the year. That's amazing. And it's just like anything. I, I've been telling myself, oh, I want to write a collection of sonnets for right. a long time. This was just like one of these random yeah. goals of mine. And I hadn't done it. And I was like, well, let me yeah. figure out a way to break it down. And so I did. And two lines a day is totally doable in a way that write a collection of sonnets just isn't. So it's right. Yeah. It's the breaking it down. Breaking it down. It's what gets it done. Exactly. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com. You can learn about my books and podcasts there. And if you would like to download a Mm-hmm. time tracking spreadsheet you can you know sign up for my newsletter and get one or just google manage your time laura vanderkam and it should <laughs> just come up and you can download it straight from that website great well thank you so much thanks for having me well that was great i always love hearing ideas from laura i hope that you enjoyed hearing her strategies as well and i really do agree with her about tracking your time it is so helpful to see where your time goes each day So I highly recommend it if you're thinking about giving it a shot. Okay, so that's it for this episode. I hope that Laura shared something that makes you think about managing your time in the classroom or outside of the classroom differently. I'll be back in two weeks with another special guest. I really do hope you are enjoying these interviews as much as I am. But until then, you can find me on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life, or you can check out my blog at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Until next time. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.